Welcome to the What We Talked About in Class podcast, brought to you from the campus of Wayne Community College in Goldsboro, North Carolina, sponsored by the Foundation of Wayne Community College. Because chapter 16 is on um, understanding financial markets and securities markets. Um, I have, let me share my screen with you. Yeah, here we go. Uh, let's see. Let me share this. Can everybody, I guess, see the lecture screen or the, the presentation screen? Okay, good. Um, I have studied markets for probably 25 years now. I started really diving into stock stock markets and securities um, around when I was 15, and uh, I kind of was in and out of it, you know, learning about it. Uh, and about five years ago, I got really focused into it again because when I started working at Wayne, I set up a retirement account uh, through the state, and then I said, you know, I really want to focus on this, so I started. Uh, saving some additional funds beyond that. And it really kind of um, pushed me to learn more about saving, investing, in markets. And so I've got a certain amount of knowledge on this. I'm not an expert in all facets of it, but uh, I would like to share what I've learned with you. And the key takeaway from this chapter, I mean, this is based or geared towards um, from like a student perspective, but the, the, the greater takeaway you need to have from this chapter is you need to be saving and investing your money. I can't stress that enough. Um, most of you are in your you know, mid or early 20s, and if you start now, I know you've heard this bit before, if you start now and commit just 10% of your income to a savings and investing plan, over decades it will become millions of dollars, you know, at least a million. Um, and so I'm happy to talk with you as individuals about saving and investing. I'm not a financial planner. I don't really offer financial advice, but I can give you some guideposts for you to do your own research and to, to start down that path. Um, but yeah, I've, I've read several books on the, on the subject of financial planning. And I think, um, oh, Justice just switched his 401k to a Roth account yesterday. Good, good job, man. Yeah, I've got a couple of retirement accounts and... Um, like I've told you throughout the semester, you got you've got to think beyond the idea of uh, single income stream. That kind of thinking is kind of um, uh, I guess an older way of thinking about things, or kind of antiquated now. You need to think multiple income streams. What can I do to not only earn a, an income, but have a side income as well? And the the greater challenge is to have um, income that happens regardless of if you work or not, residual income. And so whether it be you buy a rental property at some point that you rent out and you get that residual income off of that, or you start a small business online that is selling things 24-7, 365, whether you touch it or not. There's Just as an example, there's a business where um, budding authors will create like simple small digital books on how to's or lists like 101 things that you can do x or you know like 250 great restaurants in new york city whatever you know and i'm just saying that they'll create this concept for a book 
they'll put it out on the Kindle platform for $0.99 cents or $1.99. And their goal is to write a book like that every month or every other month and put something out. And before you know it, they've got 5, 10, 15, 20 digital um, items that are for sale 24-7, 365. And it may not add up to much at first, but all you need is one thing to hit, one concept that works, and then you duplicate that concept. Uh, and I've seen so many success stories where people just create digital content. Think about YouTubers and TikTok, TikTokers. I mean, you know, these, these young people just said, you know, we're going to do something non-traditional. We're going to create content. And there's a lot of uh, stories that aren't successes, but there's a ton of success stories too where these content creators um, are making literally millions of dollars. I still like think about this kid, Ryan's World. He's one of the top content creators in the world. He makes $20 million a year for opening up toys. I mean, that's what his original videos were. And so whatever it is, you don't have to do that. I mean, some people open or create products and sell them on Etsy stores or um, do a detailing service on the side or whatever it may be. You need to think multiple income streams. I myself, I teach full-time. I teach part-time here and, and at a couple other institutions when I get an opportunity. I work part-time with Society, Society of St. Andrew. And uh, I used to sell things on eBay more, but I'm trying to get back into that a little bit more. There's a lot of problems that I have with that, that format because of the fees involved. But, yeah, I mean, you've got to think about multiple income streams, saving, and investing. And with that, I'm going to go ahead and jump into the lecture and start talking about these financial and securities markets. And so, finance, to make money, firms must spend money. Finance is critical to success of all companies. Financial management is the art and science of managing a firm's money so that it can meet its goals. Managers in all departments work closely with financial personnel. Revenue from sales should be the chief source of funding. However, sometimes sales do not come in when the bills are due. This is where you have financing that comes into play. Financial managers track money flowing in and out. While work with other managers to determine available funds and how much money is needed. Financial management uses financial statements and other information to make financial decisions. So responsibilities and activities, it's a complex and challenging job. Yeah, I mean, when you're dealing with large pools of money, you have to figure out different scenarios and what would happen in this scenario A, B, and C. If you use the line of credit, meaning that you're not tapping your revenue sources of cash, you have to determine how quickly you could repay that line of credit because when, when you've got that line of credit tapped, you're actually paying interest every moment that, that those monies are uh, not repaid. So you have to analyze that. So analyze financial data and monitor a firm's financial status. Prepare and implement financial plans. Key activities are financial planning, investment, uh, spending money, and financing, raising money, whether it be from uh, lenders or other uh, forms. Some companies will issue bonds uh, to raise funds. Um, some, some companies will create uh, plans to raise revenues or to cut expenses. All these are part of that, uh, that, that matrix of trying to get things done through a financial lens. So the goals, the main goal is to maximize value 
uh, to the, of the firm to its owners. Value is measured as stock price for a publicly owned company, probably on the price it could be sold at. How much value, what's it worth to an outside market, to an outside buyer? To maximize value, managers consider short and long-term consequences of actions. If I do this, what will be the consequence, either positive or negative, of doing that? Um, there's a company that I've been following the past six months. It's called MicroStrategy. Really interesting story. The owner is a billionaire, or the majority owner, and uh, it's a publicly traded company, but he announced a new corporate reserve strategy. This guy, they had $500 million in cash, and they he his thesis was the cash sitting in bank accounts was basically being inflated away at an exorbitant rate due to money printing. When you print money, you create more inflation. And so he said that $500 million is losing, you know, between 5 and 15% of real-world buying power every year, and that's a big chunk of money to lose. I mean, at 5%, that's $25 million of buying power a year that you're losing. And so he said he's got to come up with an alternative plan in order to conserve the wealth or the buying power. So he considered investing in stocks, which he said that that wasn't a good plan because stocks are overbought, in his opinion. Um, and if he did invest in stocks, he didn't know which one would be the good one to get into uh, because of the, the overbought you know, situation. He said he, confessed, he considered commercial real estate. The problem with commercial real estate is that it's hard to buy in large chunks for a good value because COVID has complicated the landscape with regards to real estate. So he said that was problematic. He considered investing in gold. The problem with gold is buying $500 million worth of gold is problematic because it's a large chunk of heavy metal that you have to pay to secure. It's expensive to move. Just a lot of problems he, he associated with that. Um, he considered a stock buyback of his own stock, and he was planning to do part of that. The, the problem with that is that you defund the company because you're basically giving uh, the shareholders uh, value that you can't use anymore. You're just buying back that stock. So he said his, 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 his new thesis was he decided to invest in cryptocurrency and bought $450 million worth of Bitcoin. And they just announced they're buying another $400 million through the issuance of, of company bonds. And so we don't know what the consequence, if that's going to be positive or negative. I just think it's fascinating, really interesting story. The company's name is MicroStrategy. So if you want to read more about that, go look it up. I think it's fascinating that they would take that approach. Um, and so their, their thesis on that, though, is profit or maximizing value. I will say that the company's stock has gone from about 140, 150 to around, it's over 300. I don't know the exact and it's happened all within the past four to six months. Um, so the market must like that move. Financial managers consistently strive for a balance between opportunity for profit and the potential for loss. So you've got to look at the risk-reward. Uh, return versus risk, risk-return trade-off. Yeah, and ultimately, I mean, business is about risk, uh, pursuit of risk, because risk equals reward. Um, but you also have to look at it from a practical standpoint, too. And can you sleep at night knowing that 
certain amount of money is tied up in certain investments. And if you can't sleep at night, it probably is not a good idea to, to go down the path you're considering. Consider um, many risks and return factors when making investment and financing decisions. Market demand patterns, interest rates, economic conditions, sorry, and uh, market conditions, social issues. These are all factors that you have to consider when you're making a financing decision. So how funds are used? To grow and prosper, firms must keep investing money in its operations. It takes a lot of cash. Cash is the, you've probably heard me say this before, cash is the blood and oxygen of a living organization. If you take cash out of a living organization, it will die very quickly. Um, just like we need air and blood to live, organizations need cash. Cash keeps the lights on. It keeps employees paid. It keeps um, the inventory or the, the uh, I guess, the inputs to create outputs. It keeps those coming in. Um, it does the marketing for you. It's everything. And so cash is very much, uh, I've said this this year, in fact, this is one thing I learned in 2020, and I think I knew this subconsciously, but it really was evident when I, when this COVID thing happened. Cash is the ultimate survival tool. You think about survival tools, you know, you know, a lighter, you know, survival knife, a sleeping bag or a blanket, something, you know, things that keep you alive, food and water. Yeah, but cash, hard currency, is the ultimate survival tool because if you've got that, uh, you can buy the other things that you need to survive. Um, and this, just like I've been talking about this lecture, is saving and investing. If you don't have any money saved or invested, when a life emergency happens and you need liquidity, you need cash, the only option you have is either sell something or go borrow some money. And those are really not good short-term things to do. Like Unless like you've been saving a commodity like silver or gold and you can liquidate it uh, for the purpose of uh, being able to cash out for living expenses. So having cash on hand is very much advisable for individuals as well as organizations. Um, so short-term expenses support day-to-day -day activities. Long-term expenses are typically for fixed assets, things like mortgages on buildings and things like that. So short-term expenses, also often called operating expenses, outlays to support current production and selling activities, results in current assets that can be converted to cash within a year. Thinking about inventory, that's convertible. Um, financial manager's goal is to manage current assets so firm has enough cash to pay its bills and support its accounts receivable in inventory. You want a certain amount of inventory, but you don't want more than you can support, meaning that you may have a great product or service, <clears throat> but if you can't liquidate it quickly, then you're just sitting, like, let's say that you sell 100,000 units a year of a certain product. You don't need a million units on hand of that product. It may be nice to have a million units on hand of that product, but if you're paying interest on a, uh, a line of credit to, uh, to have that inventory, that's really problematic. I mean, you're, you're spending <clears throat> money you didn't need to spend to have inventory you didn't need to have. And so if you know that you, you do, like last year you sold 50,000 units, this year you sold 100,000, next year you might could project we need 150 to 200,000 units, um, but you don't want to, you want to have just the perfect amount of inventory on hand. You don't want to have less than you need because you're missing sales at that point. 
but you definitely won't have too much more than you need because you're just sitting on inventory and not needed. Um, the perfect, I don't know, if, I know some of you've worked in retail. Um, the per, the ideal inventory uh, is when it comes in the back door to sell retail, that it goes out on the sales floor and it sells within a reasonable amount of time. That's that's ideal. You don't want. Uh, when I worked at Walmart, we had a back room that was slammed full of cases of product. I mean, there was a ton of product just in the back room, and that's not an ideal situation. You don't want to have just tons and tons of inventory they're sitting on because you're paying interest on that on that on that product until you move it. So, all right, cash management. Ensure cash on hand to pay bills and meet unexpected expenses. Businesses estimate cash requirements for a specific period. Many companies keep minimum balances to cover unexpected expenses and changes in projected cash flows. Financial managers arrange loans to cover shortfalls. So just like in a personal household, let's say that you save $500 a month, automatically taking out your check and invested. Good job. I know that's a high number, but that's that should be like a goal for you guys. And then you run a tight budget on your household, but then an unexpected expense comes. Say you have a flat tire, you need to go, then you go to, to the tire place, you want to get an inspection. They tell you, well, in addition to the flat, your other tires are not, they don't have enough tread on them to pass inspection, so you need to replace all four tires. So you think, oh man, you know, that's, you know, I could have paid for the one, but all four are out of my budget. So you tap the credit card for a month or two to short term pay for that unexpected expense with the goal that you reduce that balance to zero immediately because businesses are the same as individuals. They don't like to carry a balance on their credit line because that's paying interest that is just money that you're just throwing out the window towards interest. And so the same thing applies to households. It's actually better to have a small cash balance put away just for things like tires or if your computer crashes, you gotta replace your computer. Or if you get sick, you gotta to go to the doctor and you have some expenses there. All those things are the game of life happens and you owe a balance for something. So um, the most popular cash reserves or keep cash balance low, invest surplus cash. So most popular are treasury bills, certificates of deposits, commercial paper or bonds. Um, I just mentioned this with MicroStrategy buying Bitcoin. These are areas that companies can plant their money um, with the hope that it will be a, a treasury reserve or a, a way to hold their cash in perpetuity and pay some, some form of interest on it or have some type of return. Managers also try to shorten the time between cash outflows and inflows. Key strategies are AR collections, um, pay money owed to uh, others as late as possible and minimize funds tied up in inventory. Yeah, so the, the the game here is you want your receivables, accounts receivables, as early as possible. Pay me now. But you don't want to pay your bills until as late as possible so you can hold that cash. Um, and then minimize funds tied up in inventory. I've mentioned that quite a bit. So I've mentioned short-term expenses. So, so AR management. So accounts receivable, sales, for which firms have not yet been paid. This is a very common thing, especially in business-to-business transactions, where you'll provide a service or provide goods to another company, and you will invoice them, and then they will pay you on the back end. That's a very normal uh, method of operation. You do want it to be um, uh, timely, though. You don't want to jam up so much time with that. 
Um, accounts receivable AR averages 15 to 20% of total assets. Sometimes companies will sell their receivables. There's a term for this, and it's slipping my mind, but I just watched a uh, American Greed episode about this where a company needed cash. They sold their receivables to a third party who pays them a reduced rate. Let's say that I'm owed $100 in receivables, but I'll sell that receivables to a third party for 80 bucks. And so now the receivables go to them, they'll get the full 100, but I'll get 80 now. And so that's a, uh, I guess, a measure that some companies will take. The problem in this example I saw was that the company was that was doing it was lying about how much receivables they had. So instead of uh, $10,000 in receivable, they may say they had 100,000 in receivables. So they would submit that to a third party, get 80 grand, and then that note was only worth 10. Yeah, they got in trouble eventually for that. So, um, so financial manager's goal is to collect money owed as quickly as possible while offering credit terms attractive enough to increase sales. Air management involves setting credit policies, guiding guidelines on offering credit, credit terms, specific repayment conditions, how long allowed, discounts, procedures for collecting overdue accounts. Yeah, um, if accounts go overdue or go back go into default, they have methodologies for managing that. Uh, generally speaking, they will attempt to collect that debt from the individual or organization. If they can't do it, often they will take a write-off and sell that debt to a third party who will then attempt a collection account, who will then attempt to collect that. So credit and collection policies are based uh, balancing act for financial managers. Technology plays a big role in helping companies improve AR. Some companies choose to outperform, outsource financial processes. All right. So I've already mentioned short, short term. So inventory, let's talk about that. I'll say in the future, it wouldn't surprise me if, um, and I'm sure some companies do this, they have some type of collateralized policy where you might have to deposit X amount of collateral or monetary value with a company before you can take inventory on credit or on um, a receivable. Because let's say that on a monthly basis, you take $10,000 in inventory and then I get paid 10000 at the end of the month. Well, if for some reason you went out of business, you may not have any motivation to stop taking inventory because you could sell that and uh, still make money and then declare bankruptcy. And it puts me in a bind because when you declare bankruptcy, I can't collect. You have literally jammed me up. I can't proceed, uh, pursue you legally because you've got the bankruptcy shield up. And so, but if you have collateral, I may say that you can't take more and float into, above your collateral. Or you can only take uh, two times, you know, your uh, inventory in float beyond the collateral amount that you you got on file with us. Like, kind of like a security deposit. It wouldn't surprise me if some companies do that already. Uh, I've, I've not heard of any doing that, but it wouldn't surprise me if more companies do that in the future to protect themselves from that scenario. So another use of funds is purchasing inventory needed. Cost of inventory includes price, ordering, ordering, Sorry, ordering, sorry, handling, storage, interest, and insurance costs. So you can see right there, there's a lot of costs associated with inventory. 
Various managers in the firm have different views on inventory. Financial managers work to balance conflicting goals. Um, techniques for reducing inventory, investment inventory, inventory management. Make sure that you have the correct appropriate amount for all times. Don't have more or less than you need. Just in time system, this is ideal. This was a concept um, developed by the Japanese in, uh, I believe, the Toyota model where they wanted parts to come in the back door just in time to be ready for the next cycle of production. So imagine that, so you thought a number, imagine the factory produces 100 cars a day. I don't know what a typical factory produces, but 100 cars a day. Um, would it make sense for me to have on hand enough parts to produce 2,000 cars? Not really. I mean, that's enough for 20 days worth to be sure I can get more inventory in as I need it, not have to store it, not have to touch it so many times. And you think, I mean, when you start breaking down these, these actual steps into quantifiable uh, aspects, it really shows you how expensive it is to hold inventory. When inventory comes in the back door, somebody's got to touch it, inspect it, check it in, and then somebody's got to place it on a storage shelf until it's ready to be used and then when it's ready to be used, somebody else has got to come touch it and take it to the line to use it for production. And so there's a lot of hands touching it. Wouldn't it be better as if it came in the back door, got checked in, and then went straight to the line? Saves that step right there, that, that extra step. And by saving that extra step for every part of that process, if you multiply that out by how many, even if it's only two minutes, yeah, multiply that out times, you know, X amount that you produce in a year, it really starts to add up to significant money and savings. And anytime you can trim those processes, uh, it really is a significant amount of money you're saving. So, um, so re re retail forums, inventory management is a critical area. Closely monitor inventory turnover ratios. Too high, it's affecting working capital on hand. You have to borrow money. And if it's too low, not enough on hand to satisfy customer demand, meaning you've got an out meaning that you're missing a sale because you didn't have enough inventory on hand to meet that demand. I got to tell you, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty easygoing, but there are certain products that if you go to the store to get and it's out, it does frustrate you. But it's double frustrating when you go back like three to five days later and it's still out. You're like, what's going on? You know, like, I came here for this product. It's still not there. Um, I don't have a lot of products that fall into that category because I usually can get a, a complimentary product or a uh, substitute product to, to do, you know, that job. But there's certain products, like my wife uses Clorox 2 pods, and she doesn't like the liquid version. She likes the pod version, and those things have been, like, scarce. You just can't find them. Um, I, I don't go to, like, store-to-store -store looking for them, but the stores I do go in, I, I'll check, and they're just not there. And there's been several items like that over the, over this year that have been scarce. All right. So how funds are used? Um, I think, yeah, short-term and long-term. So to grow and prosper, firms keep investing money in its, in its operation. Uh, financial managers best determine how to do that. Um, I've already mentioned that. Short-term expenses support day-to-day -day and long-term for fixed assets. <coughs> so long-term exposures, the previous was short-term. Firms invest in physical assets, land, buildings, equipment, machinery, information systems. These are capital expenditures, benefit 
is long-term. Mergers and acquisitions are also included. Most common reason to make capital expenditures are expansion, replace, renew fixed assets, develop new products. Capital budgeting is used to analyze long-term projects and select those that offer the best returns while maximizing firm's value. Managers look at project cost and forecast future benefits to calculate return on investments. All right, so let's talk about financing. How do firms raise funding they need? They borrow money, that's debts. They sell ownership shares, which is equity, and they retain earnings, which is profit. Those are three potential um, ways to produce cash. Borrowed funds are short. You can do that for short or long term. And short term can be secured or unsecured. So unsecured loans made on the basis of a firm's credit worthiness and lender's previous experience with the firm. Borrower does not have to pledge assets as security. The main types are trade credit, accounts payable, a bank loan like a line of credit or revolving credit agreement, and then commercial paper, which is an IOU. Secured loans requires a borrower to pledge specific assets such as collateral or security. So if you've got a piece of property that the building uh, your, your, your business is located on, that, that title may be pledged as a collateral. They may require something like that. Secured lender can take collateral if borrower does not repay the loan. Main source of secured loan, commercial banks or finance companies. Typical collateral, inventory or accounts receivable. Another form of short-term financing is factoring. Sell accounts receivable outright to a factor. That's the word I was missing a while ago. These, these are the selling of receivables to a third party, factoring to get um, a portion of those receivables up front. Financial institutions that buy uh, accounts receivable at a discount, widely used in clothing, furniture, appliance industries, more expensive than bank loans because sold less than actual value. So you've really got to be hard pressed for cash and have really not a lot of options when you start doing factoring. And the bad thing about that, it's like taking a payday loan. It's a hard habit to break because you you get the, you take a payday loan like a week before you get paid. I've never done one, by the way. But then you uh, have to, when you get paid, you pay that back. And then you have to try to make it on that short amount of paycheck to the next one. So it prompts you to take another loan. And it just becomes a vicious cycle. Um, there's a great documentary on uh, Netflix called, it's from the Dirty Money series. It's called Payday. Please watch that if you get a chance. It's really interesting how they built a empire off of uh, basically payday loans and really uh, doing some unethical things that really rip people off, really interesting stuff. So long-term financing, basic principle of financing is to match the term of financing to a period over which benefits are expected to be received from associated outlay. Short-term items finance with short-term funds, long-term finance with long-term funds. Long-term financing sources of debt and equity. Financial managers select mix of debt and equity that results in the best balance between the cost and risk. So, equity, you have to, equity is a sale of a part of ownership of the company, and managers have to determine, uh, is that equity going to be worth more than the cost of borrowing money? And if it is, it's more favorable to borrow than to sell that equity now. But if they think the equity is going to maintain a consistent price or maybe go down, 
then it's easier or, or actually probably more advisable to sell some equity, take that capital now, than to uh, take on debt. So it's kind of a situational that you have to decide. So debt financing, long-term debt is used to finance capital expenditures. Additional maturities of long-term debt range from 5 to 20 years. Major advantage is interest expense is deductible for tax purposes and no loss of ownership. The major drawback, financial risk, chance firm is unable to make scheduled interest and principal payments. Important forms of long-term debt are loans, bonds, and mortgage loans. Equity financing, equity refers to owner's investment in the business. Corporations, preferred and common stockholders are the owners. Firm obtains equity by selling new ownership shares. external financing, retaining earnings, internal financing, preferred stock, external financing, and venture capital, external financing. So uh, anytime that you have somebody selling equity, they're selling stock in their company, um, retaining earnings is so powerful. If you can, uh, in fact, one of my goals was to, still is to start a company at some point in the next 10 to 15 years, hopefully 10, and basically operated as without any paying having to pay out any um, dividends to myself or a co-owner and basically would retain those earnings in the company for an extended period of time uh, to grow the capital to use for other investments and not take a dividend for an extended period of time so that's something I'm looking at over the horizon we'll see how it works out so ownership shares there's some subcategories of equity uh, common stock represents ownership interest in the corporation. First sale is an IPO or initial public offering. The IPO en- enables private uh, existing private sh- stockholders to earn large profits. <clears throat> Coin public has the drawback. No guaranteed IPO will sell. It's expensive. Large fees paid to investment bankers, brokers, attorneys, accountants, and printers. <clears throat> once public firm, once public, the firm is closely watched and must reveal um, the information about its financing and books. The IPOs have dropped in recent years. Some companies choose to remain private so they don't have to share all their information. Equity financing. I'm already covered that. Yeah, this one. Retained earnings. Dividends are payments to stockholders from the profits paid in cash or stock. Company is not required to pay dividends. Um, some companies do consistent, consistently. Some companies don't. They retain those earnings to use for uh, company purposes. Board of directors determines dividend amount to be paid and how much of profits will be reinvested. Retained earnings are profits not paid in dividends. The major advantage, do not have underwriting costs. Managers must balance dividend and retained earnings. Dividends are used to attract new investments. If you see that a company pays you a dividend, that is a attractant. That's saying, oh, if I invest you know, this amount of money, they're going to pay me back each quarter that amount of money. No guarantee, but that is a way to attract investment. Uh, but companies do like to retain earnings too so they can grow their capital. Um, well-established firms expecting only modest growth pay out much of earnings in dividends, public utilities, financial services, large industrial corporations. <clears throat> High growth finance through retained earnings and pay little dividends, technology-related companies all right let's see preferred stock dividend amount is set at the time stock is issued unlike common paid before common stockholders 
Increased risk because it obligates firm to make fixed payments like debts. So preferred stock means, yes, you're going to pay me X amount that we agree upon. More flexible with payments than debts. Preferred stock is more expensive than debt financing because dividends are not tax deductible. Preferred require, preferred requires higher returns because claims are second after debt holders. And then lastly, uh, venture capital. Used by small firms not big enough to sell securities to public. Popular among high-tech companies needing large amounts. Uh, venture capital invests in new businesses in return for part ownership. So when you think venture capital, think Shark Tank. That's what those guys are doing. They look for new businesses with high growth potential and expected high investment return in five to 10 years. The ground floor, they buy stock at a very low price. So yeah, that's exactly what Shark Tank is. They go in with a product, a concept, a service, and they pitch to the sharks how much they believe their company is worth at this point, and they offer a part ownership for a X amount. So if they believe they've got a million dollar company, they want to share 10%, sell 10% at 100,000, whatever it may be. And then the shark will assess or the venture capitalist will assess, well, based on you, based on what you've told us, we believe your company's worth this, and this is how much we will pay you for part ownership. Uh, and so other sources of VC, private foundations, states, and angel invest- investors, wealthy individuals, these investors are motivated for potential higher returns or high returns. <clears throat> There's one, Tim Draper is one that I follow. He's an angel investor and a venture capitalist. He invests early and in, in just tons of money into startups. But he's gotten a lot right. He's, I mean, all these guys make mistakes but because every company's not going to work out. But he invested in Twitter early, Uber, um, and several of the big current Silicon Valley-type companies. Um, and so, securities markets. This is uh, getting close to the end of our lecture. So, securities markets are stocks, bonds, and other securities traded in securities markets. Streamline purchase and sale activities of investors. Transactions are made quickly and at a fair price. Securities, investment certificates representing equity or debt. Corporations and government raise capital to finance operation and expansion by selling securities to investors who take risks with hopes of profit. Average day investors trade billions of shares of stock in more than 10,000 companies. Individual investors invest their own money to achieve personal financial goals. Institutional investors invest professionals, investment professionals who are paid to manage other people's money, aim to meet investment goals of their clients. So types of markets, securities are divided into primary and secondary markets. Primary markets are new securities are sold to public. Issuer gets proceeds sold in primary market just once. Secondary markets are already issued securities bought, sold among investors. Issuers aren't involved. Most transactions take place here broker, dealer, over-the-counter, and commodity exchanges. Investment banks and stockbrokers, two type of investment specialists. Investment banks help companies raise long-term financing, act as intermediaries, buy securities from corporations and governments to resell to public. This process is called underwriting, main, main activity. Advises clients on pricing and structure of offerings. Examples are Goldman Sachs, uh, J.P. Morgan and Morgan Stanley. Stockbrokers are licensed to buy and sell securities on a client's behalf, also called account executives. Executive orders for stock, bonds, mutual funds, etc. Paid commission for executing transactions. Today, brokerage firms offer online trading capabilities, 
Online brokers are popular with do-it-yourself uh, investors. I'll just say a note on this. Once again, not financial advice. Um, it's okay to do your own investing, but uh, do try to, if you are an independent company that has a 401k plan, and if they have a match, by all means, please match out. Uh, at least do the match. Because if they do a 5% match, that means like if you put up $5, they will also put up $5. And that doubles your investment instantly. It's 100% return up front. And if you max that out, you'll be so glad you did. And you can check on me in 30 or 40 years. Hopefully I'm still alive. And thank, thank me for the advice. Uh, uh, so anyway, let's see. All right. Investing in bonds. Bonds can be bought and sold in securities markets. Price of bond fluctuate over its life as market rates fluctuate. Corporate bond issued by corporations with a par value of $1,000 can be secured or unsecured. Can issue mortgage bonds secured by land, buildings, and equipments or equipment. Investors can also buy high yield or junk bonds. These are high risk, high return, possibly. Typically sold by companies whose credit does not allow access to the debt markets. Corporate bonds can also be issued with options to convert to common stock. Convertible bonds allow a bondholder to exchange bond for a specific, specified number of shares of common stock. Municipal bonds issued by state, cities, and uh, counties, other state, uh, local and state. General obligation revenue bonds, attractive because interest earned is tax exempt. Bond rating allows investors to know the quality or level of risk. So there's a lot of different investment vehicles. Other popular securities investors can buy uh, mutual funds, exchange traded funds, and futures contracts and, and options. So mutual funds are basically a collection of investments, you, generally stocks and bonds, and maybe money markets and things like that. But it allows financial service companies that pull its investors' funds to buy a selection of securities that meet investment goals. Investor chooses Investors chooses the fund that matches their interests. Some funds invest in particular types of companies or assets. Appeals to investors for a variety of reasons. I invest in one right now that is basically a collection of tech stocks. And the reason I like it is because you get exposure to companies like Apple, Google, Amazon, Facebook, Netflix, Tesla. But you don't get direct exposure to individual stocks. If you're buying individual stocks, um, your money is, is destined to thrive or fail with that individual stock. But if you buy a mutual fund, you diversify the risk across, in this particular case, about 150 companies. So if one company finds out that they've done something illegal or wrong and they go under, it won't destroy some of my life savings. And so that's a big benefit to a mutual fund. Um, exchange traded funds uh, hold a broad basket of stocks with common theme. Trade on stock exchange so the price fluctuates throughout the day. Investors pay commissions to buy and sell these shares. Yeah, exchange ETFs are basically a collection of a theme of type of stocks. Like there's one I looked at this past week uh, that specifically buys online retailers. So when you buy into that specific ETF, you're investing in just these online retailers like Chewy.com, Amazon, Etsy, Pinterest, those, those types of companies. Um, uh, there was another one that I looked at that invested in, in real estate. So there's, there's all types of investments. It is good advice to seek out a financial planner to talk to you about these things now because don't wait till you're 40 to start planning for retirement. The time to plan for retirement is actually in the 20 to 25-year-old bracket. Uh, there's never too late to start planning, 
But I, I wish that I had really took it seriously in my early 20s and made a solid retirement plan then because I probably could have retired at 50 or 55 and had a lot more money, you know. So futures contracts and op- options, contracts legally binding obligations to buy, sell specific quantities of a commodity or financial instrument at agreed upon price at a future date, options or contracts and a title holder to buy, sell specified quantities of common stock or other instruments at a set price during a specified time. Okay. And so uh, the, I'm not going to cover the last part on security exchanges, but basically this just talks about brokers, dealers, and market regulations. <clears throat> I will, since we are out of time for today, take a time out here. Next week, uh, we will probably watch a film. I don't know which one yet. I'll, I'll look at I like to show a couple films, especially in my uh, classes that meet a couple days a week, so we can lecture some and uh, look at some films that talk dive a little deeper into some of these subjects. I will say that some of the ones I recommend uh, for you guys are Too Big to Fail. I'm not, I think that's on Prime right now. It's about the 2008 financial crisis. The Big Short, which is also about the 2008 financial crisis. Um, Enron, The Smartest Guys in the Room. Hot Coffee, about, that's one that I like to show in business law that talks about mandatory arbitration. Um, Tucker, which is about the auto industry and how they uh, basically bullied small providers that were trying to enter the industry. Um, what's another one? Anything, any of the Dirty Money series on Netflix is really good. Talks, talks a lot about you know scandals. American Grease, that's really good. They're, those are on Hulu. If you've got Hulu, there might be some on other services. And they talk about just mismanagement and, and misappropriation. And some of the stuff's pretty crazy that these people do, the scams they do. So, all right, guys, I appreciate your time and attention. Don't forget about the homework due this week. And if you need anything at all, please uh, reach out to me. Uh, we are having evaluations now uh, in the Moodle classroom. If you get a chance, please fill it out. It is anonymous uh, just to give us feedback. And I appreciate you guys, and I'll see you next week, okay? Have a good one. Thank you so much for spending some time with me on the podcast. I hope you got something out of it and learned something that you can use in the world and share with others. If you did like it, please Indicate so by liking, sharing, or going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a review. Until next time, I wish you well.